How's everybody doing tonight? Last time I saw you, it was Valentine's Day. So it's good to be back here. Um, we started off a message called Intimacy Through Prayer. And uh, I felt like there was more that I wanted to get to. And I didn't quite get to that last part. And I didn't want to just rush it at the end. And I feel like it was so purposeful. Because uh, what Pastor uh, Nancy had ministered last Wednesday was uh, walking, watching, and praying. And um, also what Pastor Mark had ministered on the Sunday. Everything seems like it has just flown well uh, flowed well together. And then uh, actually this past Sunday with Pastor Tom and his message, if you were not here on Sunday, you should go online, you should watch that message. It was called Guardians of the Gardens, not Guardians of something else yeah, yeah. and uh, not not anything else right so but it was really it was excellent and the way he put the photos up there of that was your yard. I don't know if everybody knew that, but that was Pastor Tom's yard right there, and it was redeemed and saved and came into the salvation of God. Uh, and it was uh, just such an awesome illustrated sermon. And um, towards the end of that, he started to get into the dominion side of things. He was starting off talking about dominion, actually, all the way back in Genesis, how when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them authority. And he gave them dominion over all the birds of the air, the beast of the field, the fish of the sea, over every creeping thing upon the earth, and over all the earth. And God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he says, you know what? Take dominion over this and be fruitful and multiply. And uh, Pastor Tom, the way he uh, unfolded the Word of God was just beautifully done. And, uh, and I think I get to pick up a bit where he had left off, where he was talking about we need to, um, we need to have, sec- was it security? Secure. secure. Yeah, we need to secure um, the garden. And then he also talked about the sickle at the end as well. And so we're going to pick up from there. Um, last time we had spoke on um, that this is a relationship with God. And we were talking about intimacy through prayer. And the definition that we had for intimacy was into me see. Where we open ourselves up to God and God actually opens himself up to us. And it's a really beautiful thing. You know, actually going all the way back to the garden in Genesis, the enemy was trying to come and distort the image of God. Trying to come and distort the way Adam and Eve saw and beheld God. He was trying to paint it as if God was keeping something back from them. And so he comes with his temptations and his lies and twisting the truth, saying, you will not surely die. God knows that when you eat the fruit, you're going to be like him. And so the enemy comes. He came at the beginning and he comes all the time to try to distort our image of God. And we need to guard ourselves from that. And we do that by staying in the written word of God. Amen. This is truth. It's living. It's alive. It's powerful. This will change your life forever. Read it. Meditate on it. Speak it out of your mouth. And then also, we protect our minds and our hearts to perceive God as He is by praying. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And you may think, how can I do that? Am I supposed to be praying all the time when I go to work, when I go to sleep? i got to sleep sometimes when I'm eating. But basically, if you think of prayer as a communication or just communicating with the Lord, God is saying, keep the communication going. Always be in contact. Always have Him on your mind. And I talked about uh, the last week how 
my life began to really change when I would think, okay, I don't want to just serve God on Sundays or when I go to church. I want to go ahead and I want to invite God to be in every part of my life. I don't want to go a moment without thinking about him. And so I begin to, going from class to class in high school, I'd be praying in the spirit under my breath. Going into class, I'd be thinking, Lord, you are here with me. God, have your way. Do what you want to do. I invite you here. And there were times where I would feel the presence of God just wash over me. This one time specifically in math class. I mean, math class, okay? I'm sitting there. It was boring. I mean, math was not my favorite subject. And the teacher's teaching, and I'm sitting there, and I have this melody in my heart that I'd heard at this youth camp. And I'm just singing it in my mind and in my heart and then kind of underneath my breath. And then I just feel the Spirit of God just rest on me. And so I'm sitting there, and I just start smiling real big. And I'm sitting in math class, and I'm just smiling because I just feel the presence of God resting on me. So let me get a sip of water. Um, But last week, uh, or the last week, We spoke about how it's not about knowledge, or it's not all about knowledge. You see, we come into the knowledge of God, and it's great that you come to a Bible-teaching church like this one, that you read the Word. But we spoke about how there were teachers of the law in Jesus' day, and there were Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were experts of the written Word of God at that time. It was only the Old Testament, of course. And they could quote it. And they knew it so well. And yet here comes Jesus, the living Word of God, the Son of God Himself, and they did not recognize Him. He's doing signs and wonders and miracles, and they still could not recognize, this is God in the flesh. This is the Messiah, the one who was going to come. They had all this knowledge, but they had no intimacy with God. And we can look at them and we can judge them, But we need to look at ourselves and think, you know what? Do I know a lot of word, but I'm not, but I do not know the king of the word, the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you look into the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But he said, they are those that speak of me. He said, these people draw close to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me consists only of rules taught by men. And God is saying, He wants something closer. He wants something more real with each of us. And so we went through uh, last time and we spoke about 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. And if we could pull that up in the... Let's go ahead and pull it up in the New King James. And it says, But God has revealed them to us. God has revealed these secret things that He has for us. He has revealed them to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except by the Spirit of God. And if we jump down to verse 16, let's pull that up in the Amplified. Yeah, that's going to be uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says... In the Amplified Classic, For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct Him, and give Him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of His heart. Amen? Let's pull that up in the, in the Passion Translation. 
1 Corinthians 2.16. It says, For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord, Yahweh, well enough to become his counselor? Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. You see, as we begin to spend time with the Lord and fellowship with him, where it's not just about... It's not just about memorizing scripture for the sake of knowing scripture, but it's for the sake of knowing God. Lord, I want to know you. I want to have the fellowship of knowing you, even the fellowship of your sufferings, God. Whatever was to my benefit before, I counted a loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I have forsaken all things. And I count it garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him. To count the knowledge of Jesus and knowing him of greater worth than anything else. And we were talking about how the way we get into this place is through the fear of the Lord. And that is where the fear of the Lord is talking about how you don't want to do life without God. You don't want to invite anything into your life that would separate you from him and his presence. You know, actually, I didn't give this scripture up there, but if we go to Isaiah chapter 11... I want to read this to you. This is speaking of Jesus right here, starting in verse 1. And I'm in the NIV. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And his roots, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is, talk, this is a prophecy talking about the Messiah who would come. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This is the spirit that's going to rest on Jesus. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. This is talking about the Messiah to come, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And when Jesus came, he didn't come as God full of power. He came as humanity. The Bible says he poured out his deity and he came in the flesh. And Jesus did no miraculous sign until after he was baptized by John the Baptist. You see, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, when he came up out of the water, what happened? The Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove, like a dove. And it was from there Jesus was led into the wilderness. And when he came back, he came back in power. And he began to do signs and wonders by the power of God. But it was by the finger of God. It was by the Spirit of God. You see, Jesus walked in amazing power and authority. But he had perfect intimacy with the Father. You see, Jesus didn't just do what he wanted to do. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he heard the Father saying. One of my teachers at Ramah, um, in the, when I was in prayer school, he said, if you want to do what Jesus did, then you need to do what Jesus did. So if you want to walk in the powers and the, and the signs and the wonders, the authority that Jesus walked in, then you also need to look at the other side, where Jesus only did the Father's will. Where Jesus submitted his will underneath the will of the Father. And he would only speak what he was hearing God say. And he would only do what he was seeing the Father do. 
You see, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And one of the names of the Spirit of the Lord right there in Isaiah chapter 11 is the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Where he was saying, I just want to do what is honorable to the Father. I want to walk close with Him. I just want to be pleasing to Him. So tonight, what we're going to talk about, this part two, is going to talk about prayer, intimacy, and dominion. You see, God has called us to reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. But He's he's established it to take place in one way, and that is through intimacy with Him. It's not just going to be through uh, quoting the Scriptures. It's not just going to be through a really charismatic personality. God wants us to reign in life through our fellowship with Him. So, Father God, as we step into the second part of the message, we invite you to come by your Spirit, Lord. Lord, fill us with wisdom and knowledge and understanding and let the spirit of the fear of the Lord rest upon each of us, God, so that we can have a heart that seeks to know you and to walk honorable before you, mighty King. We invite you to fill this room, to fill our hearts and fill our minds with your spirit. In Jesus' name. Look at this. In Psalms chapter 25 and verse 14, Psalms 25, verse 14, it says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. Wow. The secret of the Lord. Does anybody want to know the secret things of God? Amen. That same scripture in the Passion says, There is a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh, where they sit near Him and receive revelation secrets of His promises. He's inviting you into a close place with Him so you can know His will. The Bible says, do not be unwise, but be understanding what the will of the Lord is. You see, in John chapter 14, 21, it says, those who accept my commandments, this is Jesus talking, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. This is in the NLT. And because they love me, my Father will love them. Listen to this. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Hmm. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. After what? After they hear Jesus' commands and they do it. And they do it. You see, faith comes by hearing. When the word comes and it hits your heart, there is power in that word to give you faith to act upon it. So faith comes when the word comes. But faith grows in obedience. Your faith grows in intimacy. You see, you could hear the word and you can hear the word and you could watch it all day long and you could read it. But if you do not act upon it, Even though this word is coming to empower you to walk by faith, it's empowering you to do. If you do not act upon the word that you hear, James says that you are self-deceived. And you know where your faith is? Your faith is dead. You're ever hearing, but never perceiving. Always listening, but not doing. And you think it's enough just to hear the word of God. And yet you are self-deceived is what James says. And you're wondering why things are not happening in your life. 
When you're hearing this word and you're seeing the command of Jesus, this love command, but you're mistreating your wife or you're mistreating your husband or you're taking advantage of those at work or you're doing things that you know are not honorable and pleasing to God, even though you know the truth and you've been listening to it and you've heard it and you wonder, why, why is life so heavy upon me? Why is my faith not working? Why when I speak, it seems like there's no power behind it? Because faith comes when you hear the word, but it grows and matures when you act upon it. In the midst of trial, in the midst of testing, in the midst of the contradiction of reality, where you see the promises of the word, and yet reality is staring you in the face, where you, will you still stand upon the word and say, it is written, and this is what I believe, despite what's taking place right here, I believe that, Lord, you are true. Let God be true and let every man, let every situation that stands opposed to it be a lie. I will trust in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is when you act upon the word of God that your faith is matured. And when you act upon the word of God and you start to step into this mature faith, we see right there where Jesus says, if you have my word and you do it, I will reveal myself to you. Hallelujah. The Passion Translation has a, it has a note on this scripture. And it says that this word for reveal, it is used of a special divine manifestation. That word for reveal right there. I will reveal myself to them. It is used for a special divine manifestation. I will reveal myself to him is more, is more than merely showing who I am. It means I will personally come to him. Jesus saying, if you have my word and you obey it, then I will personally come to you and I will unfold the mysteries of God. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Those who fear him will obey his commands. God will reveal himself to you so that you will not be unwise, but you will be understanding what the will of the Lord is. You will recognize when people use this word and they twist it to fit their own aim and their own ends. There's people who do horrible things in the name of the word of God. They twist the word of God. You know, when the enemy came to Jesus and tested him in the desert, what was he doing? He's coming quoting scripture, twisting it to try to get Jesus to act outside of the will of the father. Using scripture to get someone to act outside of the will of the Father. But Jesus knew the Father. And he knew the written word. Jesus had fellowship with the Father God. And he was not going to be deceived by the deceiver. You will only stand the test. You will only stand when deception comes. When you walk in the light of this word. You see, we need to walk in the light as He is in the light. When we hear the Word, we must act upon it. The Word of God says, This is the one I esteem, He who is humble and contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my Word. When you hear the Word, to give it weight, to say, Lord, if you spoke it, I need to live according to it. God, this is truth, and your Word is my command. I delight to do your will, O God. 
Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father. And did Jesus just know automatically? You know, Jesus, before he picked the twelve, he stayed up all night in prayer. The Son of God, perfect relationship with the Father, stayed up all night in prayer. And we have a hard time praying for a half an hour. The Son of God, think about that. You're thinking, why would Jesus have to stay up all night? But he did. Praying to the Father. Father, show me which ones. Father, show me the ones that you have chosen. Show me the pillars, Lord, that you are going to build your church on. Show me, Father God. I want to know your will. Lord, I I saw these ones. Are these the ones? No, not that one. I thought that one was talented. No, okay, okay, here we go. The fishermen? Really? No. Jesus stayed up all night to know what was the will of the Father. To know the ones to choose. What about the decisions that you make in your life? What about the decisions of where to go to church? What about the decisions of what job to take? What about the decisions for your family? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and what will He do? He will direct your path. He will lead you in the right way. He will give you light and understanding to know the will of God. And I'll tell you this, if you're all the time looking for the easy way, you might be missing out on the right way. If you're all the time just wanting everything to be easy and your prayer is, God, make it easy. Lord, make it easy and make it light. Then you might be, dis- you might be cutting yourself off from hearing it, from hearing what the will of God is. The prayer should be, Father, what is your will? What is your will for my life? Wherever you say to go, I will go. Whatever you say to do, I will do. Father, I want to know your will, not my own. You see, God is inviting us into this intimate place of prayer. This intimate place of knowing his will. And from that place is going to come real faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. God is going to open up his word and open up his will to you. In this place where you say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I want to walk in your ways, not my own. Like we quoted last time, Isaiah 55, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And yet we want to insist on our own ways and insist on our own thoughts. How many of you want to think the thoughts of God? How many of you want to walk in the higher ways of God? How many of you want the results of God? Come on, where you are a city on a hill and a lamp on a lampstand, where you are shining bright for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said about you. Amen. 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 Sometimes people are afraid to submit completely to the will of God. And it's kind of funny. But it's because the enemy gets in there to deceive us, to make us think if we submit to the will of God, then we're going to be miserable. We think if I go all in for Jesus, he's going to send me where I don't want to go and he's going to make me do things I really don't want to do. But it's the enemy getting in there to twist things. Because what God has called you to, he has designed you for. And there is great grace when you walk in the will of God. It's like you're walking in a strength that's not your own. 
You're walking an ability that is beyond you. And it is the most exciting, thrilling life you could ever live. There's psalms that you could stand on, like Psalms 36, verses 7 through 9. We could pull that up in the New King, uh, New King James. Listen to the psalmist. He says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. He's getting a glimpse of who God is. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. What kind of river is that? Wow. Come on. Come on. It says they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. He's saying you will be satisfied in his will. You will be satisfied in this relationship. You're looking for satisfaction in everything else, but it is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Everything else leads to death and darkness. But he says they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you, God, is the fountain of life. And in your light, we see light. We gain understanding. We have access to the will of God. When we take that time to get into his presence. Hallelujah. Through intimacy, into me see, we find out what the will of God is. And listen to, to 3 John verse 2. It says, Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. That's in the Passion Translation. This is the will of God for you. And I want to encourage you not to shy back from the will of God, but to surrender yourself fully and completely to it. Because when you surrender yourself fully and completely to the will of God to say, whatever you say, I will do. Wherever you lead me, I will go. God will invite you into a much closer relationship with him and he will reveal himself and manifest himself to you. He will say, into me see. Into me see. Look at who I am and look at who I've created you to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20 in the New King James, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, he can only do what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. Remember, Jesus said, those who have my word and they do it, then the Father will love him and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Jesus saying, that's the, that's the same thing that's happening between me and my Father. I'm obeying him. I'm walking in relationship with him. And he is showing me everything that he does. And what I see the father doing, that's what I'm doing. And he will show him greater things and greater works than these that you may marvel. Hallelujah. It was not just for Jesus to walk in that intimate relationship. And it was not just for Jesus to walk in authority and power. 
Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these will you do. Because I'm going to the Father. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to ask Him. And He's going to give you a gift. The promised Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And that Spirit of truth, He's going to lead and guide you into all truth. He's going to take from what belongs to me, and He will reveal it to you. He's going to show you the things of God. The deep things of God. And He will show you things to come. Jesus said, it's better for your sake that I go. Because unless I go, the promised Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go, I'm sending Him. He is the head. And we are the body. The head gives the instruction. And the body listens to carry out the work of God. Many people question and say, why didn't God stop this? Why didn't God do that? How can God allow these things? Well, look at Psalms 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. I got it in the Passion Translation here. It says, the heavens belong to our God. They are His alone. But He has given us the earth and put us in charge. Wow. The heavens, even the highest heavens, belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to the children of men. So we point our finger at God. Why did you let this happen? Why didn't you do something to stop it? And God is saying, I have given you dominion over the earth. And I have given you the responsibility to see that the kingdom of God comes and that my will is done upon the earth. Whose responsibility is it? Whose responsibility was it to tend the garden? Whose responsibility was it to walk in the will of God upon the earth, to be fruitful and multiply? God gave it to Adam and Eve. He gave them the responsibility. They abdicated their responsibility. They gave it up. They sinned against God, thinking they're going to do things on their own terms. But this was never meant to be done apart from God. They invited sin into the world and the whole world was cursed. And now we have the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world, who's at work in the sons of disobedience, seeking to accomplish his will. You see, the enemy can't accomplish his will on his own. Because otherwise, if he could, we'd all be dead. But he accomplishes his will through people. God doesn't just work in the earth by himself. He works through people. He works through us. Jesus is seated in heaven. He has poured out His Spirit into His body so that we can accomplish the will of God upon the earth. But many times we're so self-centered and focused on what's going on in our own lives, we're not even concerned with the world around us. We're just so concerned about me being blessed and my life being so easy. If you walk in the ways of God, your life will be blessed. And though the path might be e- might not be easy, you will have grace and the power and the strength of God to overcome every obstacle that comes your way. Amen. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And He has given us the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And who is it that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Those who walk in a mature faith to say, you are not only my Savior, you are the Lord of my life, and I submit my will under your will, God. 
What your word says, I will do. And will you lead, where you lead me, I will follow. When you live life like that, you will take dominion. Over the enemy that's trying to come against your household, coming against your body, coming at your finances. You will reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. When you receive this abundant provision of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign. When you walk in the truth and in the light of the word of God, you will reign. But it is not you reigning to do your will. It is reigning in life to do the will of the Father. To see His kingdom come and His will be done here upon the earth just as it is in heaven. You see, sometimes there's a time to pray where you're interceding to God. And other times it is a time to say and to speak. Hallelujah. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. Hallelujah. It says, put on the full armor of God. This is in Ephesians. Paul's writing this whole book. Amazing book in the Bible. It's only six chapters. Read it. It's like dessert in the Bible. It is so good and so full of truth. He starts off calling you out and telling you who you are and what God has done for you in Christ. And then he goes into, now that you've been purchased and bought and you're children of God, this is the way to live. And he lays it out for them. Look, no more coarse joking, joking, no more living like the world, no more stealing, no more killing. We're calling you to walk in the ways of God. And now he gets to chapter 6 and over here in verse 11, and he says, finally... I have something more to tell you. If you've heard everything I've said, now listen to this. He says, put on the full armor of God. Well, actually, let me go right before that to verse 10. Go ahead and go right before that to verse 10. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not to be strong in yourself, not to be strong in your own ability. He's saying, look, he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He is calling you to reign in life through Christ. He is calling you beyond your own ability. So stop trying to do it in your own ability. Lay hold of the grace of God. He's saying, finally, after everything I've said, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and in, the, and in his mighty power. And then he goes on to say, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is where your battle is. The enemy tries to get you to fight against people. And he tries to keep himself in the shadows. But you need to know who your enemy is if you're going to take authority. And you're going to exercise it here upon the earth. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, it's saying when, you guys. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after having done everything, to stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You put on this armor of God by spending time with the Lord. You get revelation of this armor and you put it on. By fellowshipping with God by His Spirit. By saying, Lord, Your kingdom come and Your will be done. I want Your will in my life. By walking in prayer, just always a conversation. He's always on your mind. You're living God conscious when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to bed, when you talk with your wife, when you speak to your husband. You're thinking, am I walking pleasing to God? Am I honoring Him? Am I honoring Him in this conversation? 
Am I honoring Him when I'm with these friends? Am I honoring Him with the way I drive? Am I honoring Him with the way I speak? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O God. And when you're living like that, the authority and the power of God will flow through your life. As a healing technician, I had the opportunity to to speak to many people um, as a group and also one-on-one. And these are people, a lot of them have been in Word of Faith longer than I've been alive. And they're coming in because they know the promise of the Word, and yet they're not seeing any change in their life. And so by the Spirit of God, we would minister to them one-on-one. And listen. I would hear what they're saying, but I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. God, what's going on? Lord, why are they having a hard time receiving what is already freely given? God, they could quote all the scriptures, and yet they're not receiving. And God would, by a word of knowledge, reveal they're dealing with this in their life. And unless they take care of that, they're not going to be able to receive. They have this stuff in their heart. A lot of times we had to deal with the heart issue before we could deal with the physical issue. Hallelujah. I want to share with you guys, in these last couple minutes, some cool testimonies that took place. This is just coming from starting to live a lifestyle of walking pleasing to God. When you do that, you'll take authority over the enemy and your light will shine in dark places. My dad, uh, my dad is a police officer, retired police officer, and he set it up for me to come and to speak at Juvenile Hall. And this was a special facility where these kids, they were turning 18 and they've been in and out of the system over and over and this is their last chance. After this, they're going to big boy prison. And it's not going to be a good time for them. So this is their last chance. And my dad had set it up where I could go over there and I could speak to the group. There's probably about 100 kids. And so I prepare this message. I write it all out. And the day of, when I go to print it out right before I got to go, a little bit before I got to go, something happens and it will not print and I lose the whole message. Okay? It's gone. And for a second I was like, ah! And I was like, you know what, God? You got a different plan. I walk in fellowship with the Lord. I actually went and took a nap real quick. <laughs> and then got up, and it was time to go. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you love these kids. God, you want to speak to them. Lord, what do you got? And then a little bit before it's time, the Holy Spirit says, John 10.10. I said, all right, that's all we need. John 10.10, the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. So when I got up to speak to them, I said, God gave me one scripture for you. There's a scripture in the Bible, John 10 verse 10. And I said, you know the first part of that scripture. You know all about that lifestyle, stealing, killing, and destroying. I said, I want to tell you what's on the other side of that. I want to tell you about this life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And I begin to share with them testimonies about the power of God, the miraculous power of God healing my friends at school. And so I see they're all looking around. I don't have their attention very much. And I said, okay, I said, who in here, who in here is sick or you have something bad going on in your body? You have some sort of a pain or something like that going on. Who has something going on inside of you? Raise your hand. All these hands go up. Probably about 15 hands. I said, all right. I said, this is what we're going to do. I want you to put your hand on that part of your body. And I'm going to pray over you. And God is going to touch your body. 
I said, let's pray. So we bow our heads, we pray. I speak the life of God over them in Jesus' name. I said, all right, now I want you to test it out. Test it out right now and see how you feel. And so they start testing it out. I said, who feels better? Who notices a change? All these hands go up. But I noticed there's a kid on the front row and he didn't raise his hand. I said, we're going to do this one more time. So we do it again. I said, now I want you to test it out. And if you notice something different in your body, I want you to line up over here and I want you to tell us what happened. I think it was every single one of them. The kid on the front row too. They all line up. I got the mic. What's going on? Man, my ankle was messed up, but it's fine now. Like, it's great. And and I'm just going down the line and they're sharing testimonies of what God did. One kid comes up and he goes, he goes, man, I was just feeling really sad. And now I'm not, I'm happy. And I was like, praise God. And so they're going through sharing all their testimonies and they sit down and now all eyes are up and they're looking. You see, the Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of word, but of power. Hallelujah. There is power in what we believe. Ephesians when, uh, chapter 6, when it gets to the last part of the armor of God, it says, And take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that word for word right there is not logos, which means the written word, which is what I thought it was. And I was surprised that that word right there is actually rhema. The sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. The living word. The spoken word of God. And I'll tell you, through intimate times of prayer, where I would take the time to spend with the Lord, there was this one time in particular, I was in Oklahoma, and I'm praying and spending time with God, and I just feel the Spirit of God rise up inside of me. And I just start, I'm hearing it in here, and I am speaking it out. And I mean, it's coming out with fire and authority. Just In the name of Jesus, this will change. And I speak to that. And I command this. And it was not me commanding my own will. I knew this was the will of my Father. And it is rising up in me. And it is coming out. That was the sword of the Spirit. And as I'm sitting there afterwards, things calm down. And I'm just waiting in the presence of God. He goes, Caleb, I want to take my people here. I don't like seeing my children harassed. And held down and beaten down in life. If they would just come to me and spend time in my presence. Spend time in my word and spend time in intimacy with me. Then I would rise up within them. And I would lead them to declare and to command and to decree my will upon the earth. And it would be, it would be done and it would be established. But a lot of times we're in too much of a hurry. We say, God is my everything. And yet we don't spend the time with him that would really bring about great victory in life. We don't spend that time with him in prayer and intimacy to just worship and behold him and to find out what is his will. Because when you find out what his will is, you can declare his will. You could speak it out. You can see it and then you can walk it out. And it's in that place of intimacy and closeness with God that he reveals himself to you And the authority and the power of the Spirit will flow in your life and bring about everlasting change. I saw the things in my life change from that time on. My wife, Evelyn, she just, she wasn't even taught this stuff. She just, after she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, she just started spending time with the Lord. Her roommates thought she was crazy. And the Spirit of God, my wife is such a sweet woman. And this sweet woman just starts, in the name of Jesus, you will, I command it. And she starts ordering and commanding these things in the Spirit. It feels like fire coming out of her mouth. Yes. 
And she saw the things in her life begin to change and be rearranged by the word, the rhema of God, like a sword coming out of her mouth and changing the reality of what she was going through. Facts are subject to change, but the truth of God's word stands firm forever. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. (laughs)